When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name's Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm doing great. How about those college football playoff rankings? Wow. Jump right. I'm surprised since I moved up to number five, to be honest, I figured they would get jumped by somebody. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Hey, if it works out, it works out for them. It's almost more yeah. sad though, because it's like, they're going to be, they're just, they're not going anywhere from there. That's it. Like that's well, as high yeah. as you're going to go. Well, the thing is, I know if it's the sad. 12 champion has one loss, they'll probably jump them, especially if it's Oklahoma, you know, as it stands right now, I know that, you know, the big 10 still has, stuff to work out you know there's yeah. i just think they're gonna get jumped again and it's that's really who everyone should be watching right now is the big 10 because they're about to i don't want to swear but f shit up like it's gonna be that <laughs> yeah. end of that conference is gonna dictate so many things and it's weird because when have we ever relied on the big 10 for anything <laughs> like, i think it's weird. I, I don't think i hope i really hope mm. purdue beats ohio state this weekend because i just think mm. that'd be so funny It'd be hilarious. The spoiler makers that like, exactly. that's like, phenomenal. That and then have Purdue like turn around and play Illinois next week and lose her. I don't know what their schedule yeah. actually looks like off the top of Let's my head. Let's see. It'd be Ohio state. And then they would play Northwestern. That'd be hysterical. That'd be the funniest <laughs> loss they could come up with. Pat Fitzgerald uh, ruining their good time. Oh my God. I like the Purdue stuff because Purdue fans deserve this. My good friend, Jerry Palm from CBS sports, huge Purdue guy. And never gets anything. So, yeah. I mean, good for them. I, it's bad for football, I, but I it's... like, I, I do like Purdue. They're a, a team that is historically, they're one of those teams when you look at them, you go, oh, they're just Purdue. If you look at the players they produce historically, it's insane. Mm-hmm. You know, like, especially a quarterback like Drew Brees, yeah. uh, Greasy, uh, Kyle Orton, who I yeah. know might not be, but when I was a kid, Kyle Orton was a name worth knowing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeff Brom has done a good job in recent years, I think. He's like quietly an underrated coach. He he's probably should have taken the Louisville job when he had the chance, <laughs> I think. But like, that's well, Purdue we wants are, to pay him a ton of money. Fine. That's uh, fine. You know, it is fine. You know, it's not fine for is uh, Butch Davis out at FIU. Ooh. The carousel keeps going and going. It's a lot. FIU of cannot catch a, like, it's just They're, been. They've had a rough oh, go of it the yeah. past month or so since COSA kind of collapsed on itself. And yeah. It's yeah, that's unfortunate that they're in that situation, but you know, it's shout out to Eric Henry for doing such a great job covering FAU, by the way, because oh, yeah. he just is all over it. I, yeah. I would not know anything unless no. it was for Eric. <laughs> no, absolutely. If you really want FIU knowledge, you have to go to him, not yes. either one of us, but or just, anybody else. He just like literally is the most dialed in. He really is. I love it. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to meet a whole new coach and all that stuff. I mean, he was on first name basis with. Yeah. So like, that will be good though. It's like a change is as good as a rest, right? Isn't that what they say? I don't know if they say that. <laughs> but, but no, but it got me thinking. Do you, there's no changes in the AAC yet? Mm. Do you think there's going to be any, or is it just going to stay in path this year? And there's two ways that changes can happen. Mind you, either a coach can get fired, which we or don't, they root, leave. which we don't root for. I want to point mm-hmm. that out. We don't root for firings, or no. You know, Sonny Dykes can take the TCU job or oh my God, he's, the USC job or he's not those are just examples. You know what I mean? Like, for example. No, I think that as far as head coaches go in the AAC, that we're going to see everybody not fired. Now, as far as people leaving, that's, that's a, I don't know. Like there's always opportunity um, and there's always situations. We don't know what's going on in their lives and what they're mm-hmm. doing. So that's tough to say. I mean, 
do you think Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati? Like that's kind of the biggest question I, with all the success he's seen. I truly don't think that Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati, to be honest, you know, yeah. especially with Cincinnati moving to the big 12, we don't really know how the big 12 will be perceived, but Luke Fickle loves the state of Ohio. That's his home in a way that, you know, there's a lot of mercenaries who coach in college yeah. football and they don't mind where they go. They don't care where they go. Luke Fickle really cares about where he is and where his family is. Well, that's the way you have to look at his family. A lot of people, like, yeah, exactly. And he's got a pretty large family, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And I don't try to keep too close on coaches' families because it's just, you know, it's a pers- lot. Yeah. Let their let their personal lives be their personal lives to an extent. You know what I mean? Like, but they do they do take that into consideration because when I talked to um, ECU coach Mike Houston in the beginning of the season, he had talked about being kind of a journeyman. He had been to a lot of places prior to he this. He went up the FCS ranks. I think he was at. Was it Elon? Lenore Ryan? Mm-hmm. And then uh, James Madison, obviously, James where Madison, he won yeah. a national championship. Right. And he talked about how his wife and him should start like a, a flipping show, you know, but yep. for programs. And he was like, we got so good at just moving. And he said he'd love to settle down and stay. I think that's the dream is to kind of have that settled in. But I think all coaches have that one foot. Like, I think they're aware of how quickly just in it, case. Yeah. Well, like, like know, they probably have a realtor on speed, speed dial all the time. You know, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, if you look at, say, well, use Mike Houston for an example, he can love Greenville and he can be really good there and build them up. But, like, if, you know, I don't know, UNC came open because Mac Brown retired and they called him up, well, that is probably a pay raise. It's more prestigious job, undeniably, you know, or say Virginia Tech, you know, when Justin Fuente undoubtedly goes, you know what I mean? They might look mm-hmm. that way as someone who can really build a program well. And those are the things you have to say, well, maybe that is just more, enough money, enough prestige where you move, even if you're really happy where you are, you know what I mean? Like, and you know, maybe next year you come out and you lay an egg because you just, something goes wrong and you get fired. So you do always have to be aware that like, you can love where you are, you're at, but it could change very quickly. Yeah. I, I think I mostly agree that I'd be surprised if anyone got fired this year though. Like yeah. I think about Rod Carey at Temple, who's obviously struggling. Uh, I think his buyout's probably more than Temple wants to pay right now, though with uh, the uh, three teams leaving, there's going to be a lot of money coming into all these athletic programs as they pay their uh, uh, yeah. exit fees. So maybe you <laughs> yeah. have a little bit more money to play around with if you want to, if you're a Temple. Uh, I think about Tulsa and Philip Montgomery. He's been there a while now. He's really, since it, he got out of the inherited players category, had one decent season. Mm-hmm. I don't buy that it's working there for him, but you know, do you fire him? Probably not. No, I don't so. you, know, you always have to ask the question, who are you going to, when you fire someone, who out there can you realistically get to replace them that would be better? Yeah. You know, who could you realistically bring to Tulsa right now? And I don't know, you know, you could hit a, a great offense coordinator hire to head coach and it could be great, but you know, it, it's a gamble when you do that. At least you have stability with Montgomery. And you know, other than that, yeah, I can see a couple of coaches potentially leaving for a new job, but not getting fired. And I think that's just yeah. an interesting thought process or thing to look at because there is a lot of turnover this year and there's gonna be a lot more, you know, because like I mentioned, Virginia Tech, that job's not open yet, but we all know it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know. I think we both have concerns in the Pac-12 about Washington and potentially Cal and what's going on with Herm with an investigation down at Arizona state. And I know. feel like Herm is going to get Herm Edwards is one of, he's sly like a Fox man. So if anybody gets, and that was a pun for the Fox that was in the ASU game. I don't know if you okay. saw that. I did yeah. see that. Yep. So just in case anybody missed how hilarious I am. That was, <laughs> that was it. Um, but break. I, yeah. I think that Herm is going to be okay. He always manages to be okay. Like he's, he's sly. Like, I don't he'll think it's right. I don't think it's feet, right. But like, right. Yeah. But as far as Jimmy Lake, we were just talking about this, you know, I've had people reaching out to me and I have been saying since day one that he is not, that is not going well there. And mm-hmm. I've had people inside the program telling me that I know someone that quit because of how toxic it was and like uncomfortable. Yeah. So 
I have been saying this and I do think he's out. I, I think the suspension turns into he's fired. And I don't think it's just because I don't want people to think it's because he hit a kid with a clipboard. That doesn't no. help. Of course. No. And but the thing but is, it's if way were, deeper than that. If they're winning, it was a good culture. He could have done that and gotten, you know, reprimanded right. instead of suspended. This but it's bad. It's bad from the inside out. It's bad from the inside out. And then I've been I've been told that their AD, Jen Cohen, who's a you know very strong lady, is been looking at Justin Wilcox as her number one replacement for him. Can you even imagine I, Justin Wilcox leaving Cal to go back to Washington? We were just talking about this yeah. before we started recording uh, the Wilcox thing to Washington. And I mean, I think for Wilcox, it's a step up, but I don't know that that's the coach you want to go get if you're Washington right now I think you want to be a little more creative than that don't you like yes I mean but I don't know I think when stuff like this happens in a program there is a rush for comfort mm -hmm. and a rush for something that you know will be stable and I do think Wilcox is a guy that you don't have to worry about scandal wise you don't have to worry about immoral mm -hmm. immorality like he's very moral he's very straight and narrow like I and I think programs crave that sometimes and I think that's what, what Jen like, Cohen is trying to do what, at Washington is why would you not like go after a guy like say Jay Norvell the Nevada coach if you're Washington yeah. that would make more sense to me is that up and coming coach that can do something a little bit different. And, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? To me, that would make more Washington's sense. just not very forward thinking. Like, I don't want to say forward thinking. They're not very like hip, the hip quotient's not there. Well, so Chris I think Peterson they'd rather was a hip hire once upon a time, <laughs> once upon a time, but then he stayed forever and was not hip anymore. So Justin Wilcox is like the safe guy that you don't have to worry about. Like the guy you would let date your daughter because like, he's, respectful and nice and he, he's yeah. not going to break any rules. He'll have her home at midnight. That's he gets what, his haircut every three weeks. Yeah, got that's it, yeah. Justin Wilcox. So I get it. I don't think it's a good move. And I don't think Justin, I don't think he would do it, but I could see why they would be chasing that. I understand yeah. it. And he's a good coach. He's not a bad, you know, he's a good coach defensively too, which is what a lot of teams in the PAC 12 need a mm -hmm. lot of teams everywhere actually. So yeah. Well, yeah. Anyways, that's our coaching carousel conversation. No, and it's good. For the most part, I do want our the coaches AA corner. Yeah, for the most part, I do want the AAC coaches to stay the same because I think there's some really good coaches in the conference right now. Like even a place like Tulane where they're struggling this year, Willie Fritz is an excellent head coach. You know what I mean? He probably needs to make some lower level changes, but yeah. I have to wonder what's not working there. And honestly, I'm going to dial into my two lane sources a little more this week. I've just been staying away because I'm upset, but I yeah. need to understand where the disconnect is because like you said, Willie Fritz is a great coach. He has dialed up some incredible wins and in plays over the last couple of years. And what is happening? Yeah. He's done it at a ton of different levels to Sam Houston, yeah. Georgia Southern. Uh, you know, is it possible that Chip Long's come in and struggle to, put his offense in I'd be a little surprised because he was the best offense coordinator Brian Kelly ever had at Notre Dame by a wide margin so I can't imagine that he does just in like two years time forgot how to run an offense you know what I mean yeah is there I mean the defense has had some serious serious issues this season though they've played a lot better against Cincinnati and UCF than they were beforehand but mm -hmm. I mean th there's just some fundamental issues with that team and they've been recruiting better than they ever had before too so like i'm not sure why that would be i don't think it's a talent issue is what i'm getting at well i'm gonna find out i'm gonna make it my mission so yeah absolutely uh, don't worry we, listeners you'll you'll we'll get to the bottom <laughs> of it <laughs> yeah, well, one of these days we'll figure out what's how it's two lane one and eight oh, i'm gonna that figure it out one win being over morgan state I'm going to write an article about it. That's what I'm going to do. But I'm going to interview people off the record and then just kind of distill that down into my thoughts and hopes and dreams for Tulane. So they stay tuned. Have, they should have been much closer to 500 this year than they are. I, don't, I can't even talk yeah. about it. It hurts well, me so much. They're our last game to talk about today. Yeah, so thank you God. Can put it off for a little bit. <laughs> What's our uh, first one? Friday night, we've got a 6 p.m. Eastern kick, which is a weird time for you to try to watch it at like 3 o'clock. Yeah, it's going to be really fun Friday. <laughs> it's uh, Cincinnati at USF. Love this. Love, love, love this game. I'm sorry, Cincinnati fans, but we could see another oh, wow. close game here away from Nipper. I would have said it wouldn't even matter if it was at Nipper because they've proven that they can not play well uh, there now. Not well, I mean, lose, mind you, but... It's going to 
you know, I, I, think- I want USF fans to show the F out for this game Friday night. I'm going to go on Twitter and make it my crusade just to spite Dan Morrison and also to just make me look smarter on this podcast. Gonna be more Cincinnati fans than uh, you. Don't fans. say that. No, Florida, especially Central Florida, which is where Tampa actually is. They're not in South Florida. Don't let them lie to you. Okay. It's full of Midwesterners. It just is. I, I am I, calling all Florida people. Even if you're not a South Florida fan, I need you to be at their Florida. Raymond James Stadium in just Tampa. A bunch of Gators Friday. fans. A bunch yeah, of I don't care. Yeah. As long as you're not wearing Cincinnati stuff and you're supporting the state of Florida, go to this game. Here's I might tr- fly out there just to do that. Here's the trick of this. Do you remember when Cincinnati went to Notre Dame and there was like a ton of red in the stadium? You're like, wow, yeah. lots of, the seats are red in Raymond James Stadium. So it's going to mm. really feel like it's full of Cincinnati fans, just like over the top. Mm. That's unhelpful. But if there's a lot of fans in the seats wearing green and white and black, <laughs> then it won't matter. So. Fair enough. Uh, the game itself, I actually think Cincinnati, and I, I know they're the more talented team and the favorite, and they should be. I think Cincinnati, by design, matches up really well against USF because mm-hmm. uh, USF, where they've been improving the most this year, I think we've agreed is on offense. They found a little bit of identity. They found the quarterback of the future on offense. Cincinnati is loaded with NFL talent on defense to counteract that really young offense that they have at USF. Uh, Meanwhile, USF's defense is where they've struggled this year in particular. They've struggled everywhere, obviously, but that's due to youth. The defense is still figuring out a lot of things, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cincinnati, meanwhile, they know what they're doing on offense. They don't do it fast. They don't do it with urgency, but they're very methodical, and they know how to run their offense pretty almost perfectly. It just sucks when they do like what they did against Tulane, where they take like nine minutes to score for some reason on their first drive of the game because they're just mm-hmm. taking their time. I don't know why they take their time like that, but they like to take their time like that. Uh, so I think they just, I, I think they won't have too much trouble scoring on USF, whether or not they do it with urgency is beyond me at this point. They should, because you're ranked fifth in the playoff rankings teams in front of you are going to lose because they have to play each other. Yeah. Please get, don't give the committee an excuse to jump you. I mean, you're doing that each week that you don't blow out a team like this, though. Yes, yes. And, and I think we see it again this week, you, like you, you for all the reasons another, that you said. You think they're going to be lackadaisical again on offense? I don't I know that it's lackadaisical, but I feel like South Florida, they've got this, they haven't won, but they have this momentum coming out of all these games. Like we've yeah. talked about so many times where they do better and better. And that in and of itself is something to build on, whereas Cincinnati keeps coming in and doing things worse until they figure it out and win the game. I would rather be on that trajectory of up and up at home where I'm comfortable, you know, having played these games where we're... I'd rather have like five NFL defenders. (laughs) Well, you can't have that, so... I'd I'd rather have Sauce Gardner. I'll just take him. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's going to be close. Obviously, I think... Cincinnati ultimately pulls it out because they're the better team, obviously. But you think I think South Florida gives them a game. Think the Bulls hang around? I think they they do. I think, I think they come lo- out with another first half where you're like, oh my god, and the odds go crazy I, in the middle I, of the game. <laughs> I think it is going to be a low scoring game because, like I said, I, at this point, I'm done predicting that Cincinnati comes out with a sense of urgency on offense. <laughs> right. Basically, the only game this year where they played a good first half was against UCF, and that bothers me to know when or like you know an urgent first half i should say was against ucf yeah. and that was you know the m- longer we get away from that game the more strange i think it is that that's what happened there you know yeah. I mean? just the way like the two teams have gone since then the ucf defense has been really good and since his offense has been really disappointing you know what i mean yeah um, yeah fun since- fact jerome ford is a tampa florida native having yeah, he- starred at armwood high school yep yeah, Tampa's a great so that's city. That's interesting. For, it's a great city to recruit from. You know, yeah, it's so absolutely be, a place where you need. That's why. So I think he's going to go there. off. I think he's going to show out because he'll be home. He'll have, he'll have friends there. and family. Yeah, so there it is. That, friends and family will be enough to you know tell the skills. I think that Jerome Ford has a game. I don't know how well everyone else is going to do, but I will say this: Cincinnati is looking to start the season ten and zero for just the second time in school history. So. You have to wonder, like, how do these types of streaks, as people say, that 
you know, they know these things and you know, Mm -hmm. they're watching these things. How much pressure does that put? How much do they not think about it? I'd be curious to know that. Yeah. Cincinnati has been really very loud with like how Mm -hmm. much they're not listening to it. They, you know, very insistent. Which makes me think they are listening to it. Well, it's again. Now doth protest too much. I know I skip over Memphis's 2019 team, but they lost a game in the regular season, which is why I do this. And I go back to like the UCF unbeaten teams. Mm-hmm. When I say this, UCF was very, very loud about, hey, the playoff, hey, the playoff, hey, why are you disrespecting us? Look at us. Cincinnati is trying very hard to be like, don't look at us. We're just doing our thing. It's a very different approach. And I don't know that one's better than the other, but you know, here we are. I, I like, I don't actually have a finishing thought to that, I guess. Okay. I don't know which is better than the other. It's just, it's an interesting juxtaposition is what I'm getting at to like yes. how the two approached undefeated seasons. I think the biggest, here's my, here's my one last thing I'll say about it. If we're talking about from a football standpoint, I think the biggest thing for Cincinnati, they have this um, stat that I always find really interesting. They're, they're number one in fourth down conversions. Mm-hmm. Um, their offense is really, really seven for seven. Yeah. And so being, being effect efficient, I guess would be the word on offense is what I would look to screw with if I was USF. Um, yeah. And that's the strength of Cincinnati's offense. When we get down to it is that they mm -hmm. run that RPO game that Ritter's really good at running because he almost never makes the wrong decision. And, you know, fourth down is usually a short yardage down. It's really hard to stop them from going that short yardage. But I just, there's no explosiveness to it, which means it takes, you know, that, that's where it gets that in lack of energy from, for me. Yeah. And they, they do grind out a pretty impressive, almost seven yards per play, which is 13th in FBS. So if I'm USF, I'm looking to just cause some chaos in there. You gotta blood some heavy and, and hard. Yeah. Throw, yeah. Throw some wrenches in his game plan because it's shown that if you shake Ritter, he will, stumble a bit so and if then you it, make it's him a hold domino to, effect if you make him hold on to the ball and keep him in the pocket if you can do those two things he's not a great pure pocket passer right he doesn't exactly. really he doesn't push it downfield particularly accurately mm-hmm. uh you take away his legs and he loses that dual threat and you know you just take a lot away from him yeah it's it's tough to do though because they like it I is. said, they're very methodical in offense. Anyways, yeah. They I have also... a lot of energy, though. So I feel like USF is going to throw some chaos in the mix. But I yep. will pick Cincinnati to win. Yeah, I, I agree. Cincinnati should win okay. this game. Uh, let's turn Leaf over to Saturday. We've got three <laughs> noon three noon kicks on Saturday. Uh, Great. I'm, I'm going to start with the noon kick that I think is most interesting to the – oh, I'm going to go – I don't to know you or to the rest of the world? That's because I, I could guess. Conference, I think it's well. Then ECU Memphis. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. start with. Is but if it was you, I was thinking well, we we're going to start UCF SMU. So my issue with that, and, <laughs> and we'll talk about UCF SMU in a second. I just okay. ECU Memphis at noon at the Liberty Bowl. That's where we're going to start. I'm not okay. going to get sidetracked right now. Okay, let's do uh, it. I am really excited for this game. To be honest, I I think it's just. <laughs> A matter of can ECU go into a hostile environment because the Liberty Bowl, as we discussed, is a really difficult place to go in and win. I think mm-hmm. in Ryan Silverfield's time as the head coach, which is two years now, he's lost once there. And mind you, they're like five and four this year, so they're not against losing. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah. It's, you know, they're just a different team there. Hennigan's healthy again. And I think that that's going to be the most interesting part is. How well does the ECU secondary go into the Liberty Bowl and play against what is a good passing team? Mm-hmm. I'm really concerned about Memphis running the ball at this point. I don't think they can all that well. <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's ECU's weakness on defense, but as it turns out, it's Memphis's weakness on offense too. I'm not, yeah. I'm not too concerned about it. I think that if you're ECU, you want to tee off in the pass rush and try to blanket them and you know, blanket Calvin Austin in, in particular in coverage mm-hmm. and just see what you can do and force Hennigan to beat you by throwing to other receivers. Yeah. That's, that's easier said than done. You know, can Holton Ehlers play a consistent game on the road? You know, yeah. I would love to see no turnovers from him. Just. I don't think for, that's, I don't think I that'll mean, happen to be honest. Maybe a girl can dream. Right. Yeah. And you know, can ECU come out and play with balance on offense? Cause they're mm-hmm. capable of playing with balance on offense, but again it's a tough place to go in and do that even if Memphis has issues on defense it's a tough place to go and do all the things you want to do you know yeah something about the Liberty Bowl it is yeah I think I think 
you look at Memphis and like you said, the funny thing about this is the line. I didn't see exactly what it was, but I remember reading it and being like, wow, they're really, ECU is getting no respect. ECU is a good team. They've won five of their last seven games. And in all four of their losses, they've been close. Well, yeah, we've talked about this before. They should probably, they, I know they should be in South Carolina. They should have, they had a really good shot at beating UCF. Mm-hmm. Was, you know, they, I'm not going to give them that shot against App State. Who was their other loss to? Oh, man. Oh, here, I can tell you right yeah. now. I don't know why that just escaped me. It's okay. Here, uh, they lost to App State, South Carolina, UCF, and Houston. Well, Houston's Houston, a Houston was an yeah. overtime game. But 31, like, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like they were really close in a couple mm-hmm. of conference games. They should have beaten South Carolina. Like, this is very nearly yeah. like a seven and one or so yeah. ECU team. That's what I'm saying is they are a good team. And I think uh, and they're not a, getting the respect in this game. Yeah, I got the line here. It's Memphis minus four and a half. So a little more mm. than a field goal. Okay. So it might have changed a little. So that's, it's not terrible. But I think Memphis is just getting that because they're at home, which I understand. But I mean, I don't know, man. Memphis gives up so many points and so many yards. And yes, their secondary is can be good. They mm-hmm. have shown that they can be disruptive and good, but it's a question of if they will show up that day. So mm-hmm. this is a tough one. You could flip a coin in this game. I think it's going to be one of the most fun to watch this weekend, just like as I far agree. as battle yeah. wise. So, and you know, I, I tend to think ECU is a little bit of a better coach team because I really do like Mike Houston. I know yeah. you do too. Yeah. That's not necessarily a shot at Silverfield, but I no. really like Mike Houston. I like Houston uh, too. Who are you going to pick? That's the question. I think I'm going to pick Memphis. I don't think that it's the Liberty Bowl factor. Like it's the same reason I tend to, if you see offs at home, I tend to give them a couple points. If it's Cincinnati okay. at home, you'd get the, they get a couple points. It's, they got even the same record. This is wild. Okay, I'm gonna go ECU then, just so that we have a, a little game. competition here. Yeah, because yeah. I, I don't. I probably think Memphis wins it, but I do think there's a very good chance ECU could could beat them, and so I, that's why I'm gonna go that way. I honestly, I kind of agree with what you said when you said it's like flipping a coin, though, because for me, ECU, I think it's who's gonna come out. You got to well, come out quick in this one. I think. Yeah. I think you know how high I am on ECU this season. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was coming into this year that this is the year ECU gets back to a bowl game. This is like where you start to see that, like, okay, this is a school that can be good again and like yeah. show it. And this would be a huge win for them in trying to get to that goal because, you know, there's three games left and Cincinnati is one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, God, who's the other one that they have left? Who? ECU? Yeah. ECU has got Memphis and then at Navy and then they play Cincinnati. Yeah. So they should beat Navy in a week, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah, at Navy uh, and then they get Cincy at home, which we've talked about is well, could yeah. be a crazy game. If they win was, the next two and they go into they go into that game off of if they win Memphis and Navy, they're coming off of they'll have four game winning streak. I like that. I like that game. It'll be fun. Like that game. That'll, That'll be fun. interesting. I'm really excited for that one. Uh, I'm going to move to one. I think we're probably a little less excited about for the noontime slots. That's Houston at Temple. Yeah. I don't know what else there's to say other than Temple could still get bowl eligible if they decide to win out. They must mm-hmm. round and one out. Uh, they're not going to, though. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They haven't scored in the past few weeks. To put it nicely, well, they will not. So. The past two weeks against ECU and UCF, they didn't score until the fourth quarter in either one of those games. They've been looking completely dysfunctional on offense. The defense has been, you know, they're just not the way they, you know, the defense at Temple that you think of as this tough, physical run into your defense, maybe not the best athletes in the world, but they really got in your face and made it difficult for you by always being in position and ready to, you know, mm-hmm. just hit you harder than you want to be hitted, 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 hitted. Yes, hit. it's a word. <laughs> uh, yeah, it might be a word at Temple. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> the way they spell tough. You never know. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's so mean. I hate it. I'm sorry. I really tough, am. Not, I don't. But they're gonna get yeah. the doors blown off. They it just is, are. It's tough. You know what's yeah. crazy is you look at Temple and their schedule. Overall, and we've talked about this, like their other wins are, it's their three and six. So 
they yeah, look better yeah. than Tulane, who's one and eight and zero and five but, in the American. But then when you break down the wins, you say Wagner. That's yeah, an FCS. Know, that's a I bad know. FCS team. Akron. They fired their coach this year because that's the season they've been having. Yeah. Uh, and then it's Memphis, who you know was in the middle of like losing four out of five at that point. Could be worse by the time the end of the year if you know. ECU goes and beats Memphis this week. Okay, so how do you rank South Florida, Temple, and Tulane? Uh, Temple last, Hmm. Tulane second to last right now, then South Florida. And USF ahead of them. Okay, wow. As of right now, I because I do the power rankings. Because Temple has the best record of those three teams. Well, yeah, but I mean, I know, I know the the win quality. I get it, but still, I mean, they managed to win three games. If, but yeah, but if. I don't Tulane, know how. Instead of but... playing Ole Miss and Oklahoma, played Akron for one of those games, they'd have another win. You maybe, I mean? maybe not. Maybe not. Probably. I don't. I don't know. You know, UAB is a good Conference USA team. You know, what I mean, I just, you know, I'm, yeah, not to dive too deep into it, but like, it's it's tough. it's tough. I can't. Yeah. Houston. Okay, so we're picking Houston. That's... Yeah, we're both picking Houston. Just go in there, take care of business, don't get hurt. Yeah. I did talk to one of the Houston coaches and they are happy with what's happening, but they do not appreciate these close games. Oh, I can imagine. Well, <laughs> so, the SMU game you had to expect would be close because that's right. a good team. Probably shouldn't have let the USF game be close. Yeah. And they are definitely like, that is something that they are talking about all week is that, that there's no reason that should have been that close. They, they did you don't walk like into it. a pretty quiet stadium where you're on the road, a little bit tired, a little bit overlooking a bad record. <laughs> I gotcha. I think Good I think USF comes out and punches people in the mouth. I think it's just tough to get up when. Well, when you, yeah, USF yeah, is I, a very well coached team, and Jeff mm-hmm. Scott gets them up to play hard no matter what, which is a credit to both the players for being willing to go and do that, and the coaching staff for you know motivating them to do that in a tough year. And like I was saying, though, I just haven't felt that from Temple in the same way where they don't make it tough on you to go and play them. Like you circle that it's a get right game. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> get right game. I like that. Yeah, it's tough. You don't want to see it. Uh, we've got one more noon game. It's near and dear. Your favorite. UCF at SMU. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see how you pick in this one. I'm interested to see how I pick too. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Um, I'll say for UCF, one thing that they've been getting more and more comfortable with is having Mikey Keene throw downfield mm-hmm. in the past few weeks. It's something that when he first came on the scene, they were just adamantly against letting him throw more than like five yards downfield. And he probably wasn't capable at the time of reading a defense long enough to get to that point. <laughs> right. I'm just being honest. He's an 18. No, he, he's, it's been fun to watch him progress. I will say that for sure. You know, I, I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he's got a lot of natural talent, but he has, this has been trial by fire for him. And it's not something he probably should have gone through, except obviously the injury to Dylan Gabriel. Uh I have not, for what's worth, seen an update on Gabriel yet. It's still, there's no timetable for his return, but it's possible he returns at some point. They're oh keeping God. that super close to the vest. You know what I mean? It's a broken collarbone, though. It's tough. Um, anyway, so they've been letting him throw down the field more. Jalen Robinson, uh, who is an excellent wide receiver for UCF, has been injured the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing he's likely to play. I think he'd be okay. probable. He's been practicing again. Uh, so that's very good. That's an extra weapon because right now the offense at UCF has become a little bit, when they throw you kind of know it's going to Ryan O'Keefe or maybe Brandon Johnson, though they're doing a good job also getting Alec Holler in the mix lately too. Uh, you, I have a question for there. you. Yeah. So do you look at this UCF team mm-hmm. and they're coming off, you know, they, okay, here's my question. So you look at how they played Cincinnati. Yeah, and, right. They gave up 56 points to a pretty potent offense. Mustangs, when they're putting their stuff together with Mordecai, it's pretty potent as well. Do mm-hmm. you think that UCF has progressed enough since that Cincinnati game to be able to limit the damage that Mordecai and SMU can I, I think inflict? I think UCF by design is more equipped to stop an offense like SMU than Cincinnati, to be honest. Okay. Because it's primarily there's a couple reasons throwing it downfield UCF's linebackers have in the basically since I was a student there you know since I was in high school even 
you know, before I was a student there, mm-hmm. uh, have never been good at stopping dual threat quarterbacks. I just can't <laughs> remember a time what's happened. And Desmond Ritter runs really well. And they yeah. lose contain, they lost contain of him a lot. That's a huge part of what cost them. But against Louisville, a huge part of why they lost Louisville games. Yeah. They couldn't contain Malik Cunningham the whole day. It's just for whatever Malik Cunningham reason. is good. He I is good. But, yeah. you know, if you just go through down, like, seriously, if you go back, basically to the end of the George O'Leary era, you're going to be like, wow, every time they played a dual threat quarterback, that quarterback went off against them. Uh, it's just a thing they struggle with for, you know, it's baked into the uh, floorboards or it's in the walls that they struggle against dual threat guys. Mordecai is not a dual threat guy in that way. Uh, mm-hmm. UCF secondary, I talked about it on the review show has been coming along in their kind of a dominant secondary at this point. Okay, uh, They cover really well. You've got Big Cat Bryant, who was an all-SEC defensive end at one point, rushing the passer. Ricky mm-hmm. Barber, a defensive tackle. Uh, Salascar, Montalvo. These are good defensive linemen. It's a really good pass rush. So if they can get home on defense and force throws, their secondary is good enough to clean it up. Ulysses Bentley, if he's not healthy to give them balance and force linebackers to stay home, well, then I do think that there's a chance the UCF defense does better than a lot of others do against SMU because they're designed to handle that better. They're not as good against run first teams like say Navy or teams that have a good rushing quarterback like Louisville or Cincinnati Um, at the same breath that's on the road. And this is a UCF team that has really struggled on the road this season. So is that a a little thing to them? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. But the point I was making about Mikey Keene throwing downfield earlier and getting a wide receiver option back probably is that, well, that's SMU's really big weaknesses. They don't cover well and they leave gaps to throw into. So, so if you're gonna let me keep talking eventually. I'm gonna pick UCF to win this. No. <laughs> I I think that it was an interesting point that somebody brought up when they're comparing the amount of point, the sheer amount of points that Cincinnati put mm-hmm. up on the on UCF and how SMU has a similar, they don't. They don't put up points the same way, but they put up that amount of mm-hmm. points generally. Now, obviously, the yeah. last two games have been I, struggling, and, and SMU is facing their first real adversity mm-hmm. in the season. So it, it's going to come down to how much has UCF progressed, right? And like you mm-hmm. said, Mikey Keene, better and better each game. More Secondary, better and better each game. Right. Like it's come, there's right. still a ton of injuries that they're dealing with, but it's coming along very nicely. Yeah. So is it possible they beat SMU? 100%. Do I think it's going to happen after the way SMU has been struggling? I don't think they let another game slide. So I'm going to go SMU because I think the madness has to stop at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, SMU... <laughs> SMU is the correct pick to make for a couple of reasons. You know what I mean? And I think you mentioned a couple of them there. SMU is at home for this game, which does yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mikey Keene, while I think he's progressed a lot, still has a lot of limitations as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And again, this is Do just... you think that SMU can exploit those limitations? Mm, yeah, their their secondary can't. I don't right. think their secondary can. I mean, I don't know that I think defensively their front seven, they have the tools. I think their front seven could get pressure on him and make him... Okay. I think their second, their front, sorry, their front seven could make him look at the pass rush more than he'd like to. But, you know, UCF's got a pretty good offensive line, too. Yeah. yeah they've been banged up this year, especially Matt Lee, the center, has been banged up this year. But, like, it's a very good offensive line when it's healthy. It's, you know, maybe the best in the conference, frankly. Okay. Uh, so Interesting. I think, yeah, I think SMU's got the tools to make him feel the pass rush. I don't think they've got the tools to make him sweat reading the def or reading the secondary i think so who, who are you gonna pick man i'm gonna pick smu okay I'm wow gonna, it's a safe pick yeah here's what's at smu's at home which has been a big issue for ucf is traveling mm-hmm. they are still explosive on offense i don't i think ucf's much improved but mm. I just can't quite get there with, I just can't quite and get there. And that's fair. Right See, if, that's Dylan Gabriel was, if I knew Dylan Gabriel was playing, I'd have UCF by two scores, but. Oh boy. I don't even know. Okay. That's, that, that's we're not going, we're not going in alternate <laughs> universe direction. I, I refuse. I refuse not to. <laughs> uh, All right. Last game. And it's actually a pretty interesting one. I think if not, it's not a very important game as far as the uh, conference standings go. But, but it is a battle to see who's the worst. I disagree with that because Temple's not in this game. It's Tulsa (laughs) at Tulane. One of the worst then. Yeah, Tulsa at Tulane. Uh, 
it is an interesting game because yeah. you are seeing like, hey, which team can still be playing hard at the end of the year? Which team can rally? Which team mm-hmm. can which team showing signs of life and improvement? I think Temple the last couple of weeks on defense especially showed a lot of improvement. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about what their offense did the past no. few weeks because it was really bad. Very bad. Um, yeah. yeah, they've got 20 or they're averaging like 10 offensive points in the last two weeks temple not temple Tulane. Jeez, now you got mm-hmm. me doing it no, uh, it's all the tease yeah it is you know but tulsa's coming off that real heartbreaking loss where just i still don't get how they didn't get into the end zone there especially the davis spring run yeah tulsa that was rough you know, but that's either gonna that's either gonna demoralize you or it's gonna inspire you to to go out there and just like lay them out. So yeah. I do not have confidence in Tulane at I, home. Well, I mean, you picked them for like seven straight weeks to start the year, so you know you may yeah. start learning your lesson. I think though, the defensive line for Tulsa versus the rushing game for Tulane is gonna be what the most important battle is in this game. Because mm-hmm. if Tulane can find some balance to their offense and get the running game going take that pressure off Pratt, who I think we've come to a pretty good consensus is trying to do too much with the ball when he has the way too much, you know, if you make it so that he doesn't have to try to do too much for you to control the game a little bit, if you're Tulane, I think you're in a good position because I don't trust Tulsa's ability to go score and Tulane's defense has been really much improved the past couple of weeks. You know, they held UCF to 14 points. They did. That was they UCF's did. low and low scoring margin on the season by like a touchdown. This feels uh, like it's going to be a 10-7 game. Yeah. It's, that's, that's what it feels does, like. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. Like very low scoring because neither offense has really shown that they can like get too much going. And it's, you know, it's going to be the middle of the afternoon that they kick off. So like by yeah. halftime, it'll be dark out. <laughs> I think like at the most we see 24-20, you know, yeah. like it's going to be like it, that. It is going to be low scoring. And I, yeah. Yeah, which I, just means we're going to see a bunch of struggling on the field, which is not fun to watch. Like it's just not. Well, there's a complete difference between good, watching good defense and watching bad offense. And sometimes right. the score ends up being the same, but like you watch a good defensive game and it's fun. They're swarming to the ball. They're doing, unique, right. you know, there's unique blitzes. There's big yeah. hits, bad offense. They're throwing incomplete passes, bad offense. They're lining up wrong. They're, you know, miscommunicating right. and frankly, bad offense takes a lot of stuff to sit through because the clock keeps stopping. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, I agree, low-scoring game, defensive game, maybe bad offensive game. Like, I might not watch it, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm going to watch it. I just, you know, don't know if I'll be happy that I'm watching it. I would just love to see more Tyreek James and Will Wallace and less Michael Pratt. Well... Okay, not sure so, how you accomplish that, uh, those things independent of each other, but figure it out, Chip Long, or else. Yeah, well, we talked about that in terms of, like, what assistant coaches might be on the move a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it Do sucks because he just – there's an issue with Chip Long? Because, like I said, he's had – he has, as an offense coordinator, had a ton of success in his career. He knows how to run offenses. And he, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, Michael Pratt, in a lot of ways, reminds you of an Ian Book who – throws the ball into traffic a lot because Ian Book wouldn't do that kind of thing. Ian Book was overly, at times, overly conservative with where he threw the yeah, football. Yeah, except when he hit that cheerleader at Louisville. With that was ball. a throwaway, though, to the point, though. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't throwing was, that into coverage. It was still hilarious. That was one but, of my favorite things I've ever witnessed in person. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Uh, but no, but you know, I mean, like Ian Book and Chip Long worked really well together in a lot of ways. They put up, you know, one of the better, I think the second best statistical season in Notre Dame history for a quarterback behind like Brady Quinzo six season. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know, they went to the playoff. They had a 10 win season on, you know, on top of going to the playoff, like there was something clicking very right with that offense. And it's not just a talent thing because Michael Pratt has talent. Tulane has offensive weapons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just something about it. There's a disconnect. Something's wrong. There's I'm going to figure it out. I'm about to go on a major hunt to figure out why Tulane is one and eight. And if they lose this game, God forbid, and they're one and nine, there needs to be some answers. It, and I'm going to go find them because this is too much. It, it really it didn't it, make any sense. No, this is like really bad right now for them. Yeah. So the don't same, worry, guys. I'll breath, get though, to the bottom of it. Also still has life for a bowl game, which they need to be playing for hard. Yeah. And I have no doubt they will. I just, I think they're limited in their ability. I agree. So. They're limited in their ability. I don't really buy Davis Brennan as like 
a starting God. quarterback, to be honest. Honestly, Bryn versus Pratt is like, who is going to do the most stupid thing in this game out of the two of them? If you had to guess, who do you think is going to make the most costly mistake? That's the real question. Pratt will both make a very costly mistake in a really nice play. I think Davis <laughs> so they Prince, negate each other. I think you're going to forget Davis Brin played. <laughs> And I mean that though, like it's which one of those is worse though. That I don't. It depends on the week, you know. And by the way, Tulsa's got Temple next week, then SMU at the end of the year. So like, you really need this if you're trying to get to a bowl game, which again should be the goal. You should. What's the line? Do you do you see the? I can pull it up. Yeah, I can pull it too. I was just, I'm very curious to see. Here we go. So Tulsa by three. Tulane getting no respect at home. Yeah, on, at on their home field, that basically means that a neutral side Tulsa's a touchdown favorite. I do like that. I do like that though, that line because I do think it's gonna be a, a field goal. I guess yeah. it's gonna be such a I don't low think, score. I don't think I touched that line. I think it's gonna be about that close. And yeah. I, what's direction. the over under? That's what I'm also curious is because smash the under. Yeah, like hard. Let's see here. It says 56. Oh. I don't think they're getting to 56. No, I, I don't think so. Smash the under. That's there wild. it is. Our very first proper betting advice. Yes. All right. So who are you going to take? Tulane. Roll wave. You know what? I'm going to go Tulsa. You're trying to catch up. I am trying to catch up, but <laughs> I'm also like mad. You're, at you're, I know you're mad at Tulane. You've picked them too often and gotten. It broke my over. heart. They, this they've season. screwed you over a few times. I get it. They've yeah, they stood me up for so many dates. I um, yeah. can't yeah. get back on the horse. Sitting there in the prom dress and they just never came. It's awful. Get it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's our week there. Yeah. Uh, man. Is there a game? I have a question for our, like, yes. to, is there a game you're excited about outside of the American this weekend that you think is that you're going to have tuned on your TV? Oh, man. I mean, I know I that's kind of a... just right off the top. I need to like, I never look at the schedule until like Friday. To be Is UMass playing? Oh yeah. They're uh, playing Maine. Yeah. I'm not thrilled about that. Just lost oh, okay. to Rhode Island. I don't <laughs> think so. Not, not the UMass coach. game then. Got it. Um, I'll probably watch that game or listen to it. I know you'll watch it. I know. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame's at Virginia, which I think is going to be their last. It's, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Well, you talked about the Purdue-Ohio State game. I mean, that's definitely one. Yeah, I think that's one. Everyone's going to be watching them. Yeah. You know, let's see here. What do we have? Uh, North Carolina pits uh, Thursday night. So that's when this will be coming out. That's not terrible. I think that'll be a fun offensive game. Uh, I'm going to watch the UAB Marshall. Oklahoma Baylor's this week. That's going to be interesting for the playoff stuff and who wins the Big 12. Yes. Um, Michigan-Penn State. Uh, UConn-Clemson. There, why did I forget UConn was playing at Clemson? <laughs> There's our that's old friend UConn here in the American. No, uh, that's Clemson's well, going to win that game. Come on. I mean, no. Come on. Don't say it. UConn's an prop is a proud former American Athletic Conference member. We have to prop them up. Oh my god! I think, um, <laughs> like I said, the oh Miami, Florida State. That's big in the state of Florida. Yeah, and Florida I mean, they're State. They're both terrible, Jesus. but like, yeah, yes. But I think Miami's better. Still an important rivalry. Uh, UTEP North Texas, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> what if North. what if Maryland Animal. went into Michigan State and beat them? I think that'd be very funny. Talia Tagovailoa just goes off. He's got 18 touchdowns on the year. I don't is Mike Loxley working out at Maryland? I don't think so. Like long. It's also, too what, soon to tell. What, it's what too soon to tell. What qualifies as working out at Maryland in the big right. also? Exactly. Like, like I think I, he's doing all right. Play? He's doing all right. They're five and four, two and four in the Big Ten. I think he's doing all right. Like the attitude is better from everything you see. Um, I like him. I think he's a good guy. I, I think you need another year or two yeah. to see. And I, again, I think that what can you really expect more than a bowl game when you have to play Ohio State, Michigan, yeah. and State, Michigan State every year, not of counting course. whoever you get on the cross? Uh, A&M's playing Ole Miss. I won't watch a second of that game. No. That's my promise to you. Uh, NC State <laughs> Wake Forest is on the ACC network, so I won't watch a second of that game, it turns out. 
What do you think about this um, UAB Marshall? They're both six and three, both four and one in Conference USA. It's at Marshall. It's the 75 game, which is is a big deal for people who know about Marshall football. They Mm -hmm. very rarely ever lose this game. And this is a big, big matchup between these two teams. I mean, that's definitely worth checking out, especially if you like Group of Five football, which like, I know I just read through a bunch of Power Five games on my quick list of what was going down, but like, for group of five stuff that's a really cool one yeah that's going to be both teams are, are important very, very good important conference usa game and like you said yes. the 75 game for marshall is always a big deal it uh, is got that i think montana sadly montana there's State no pac-12 <laughs> i'm looking at the pac-12 trying to see of course we have the postponed usc cal game which yeah. will now take place on december 4th so i was gonna ask cool. you about that whole cal situation since you're more tuned into the pac-12 I don't, so like, I don't understand it i just i know they're at war with the city of berkeley right now but it's I'm, like, very, I'm seeing bits and pieces. I'm just like mm-hmm. hands off of it. Not going to say anything. Uh, it's confusing it. all the numbers because it's like they have 99% of the team vaccinated or 90%, whatever it is, but yet they're getting all of these positive COVID tests. And so now people are trying to figure out, well, did they get a vaccine early on? Mm-hmm. That was the one shot and maybe it was not as effective. The Johnson Johnson. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. and then the city of Berkeley is, is being crazy with the, the protocol for the protocol for a vaccinated person is different than an unvaccinated person in most places. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, the city of Berkeley is saying, no, even if you're vaccinated and have a negative test, you still have to do all these things, which is why so many Cal players missed the game last week. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's like, I've never seen but, a city go to war like this. It's weird. And then wasn't it supposed to be a forfeit in the Pac-12 if you had to cancel a game because of COVID this year, not just a, uh, suspended game or whatever <laughs> that's another good question I, I have i have no idea because they I'm they're so not forfeiting the they're being it's, forced by the city of berkeley to i don't know it's so weird uh here let me give you a really good fcs game that everyone should watch okay eastern washington uc davis oh boy that's a real no that's like a top 10 fcs game it's a big okay. sky game really okay. definitely worth watching if you're into fcs at all uh harvard right. penn who doesn't love a little harvard penn Actually, it's probably not a good game. It's terrible. Yeah, I'm like, where are you even finding these? <laughs> I'm just going through the FCS. Under the FCS tab? Okay. <laughs> Holy Cross Fordham. Holy Cross Fordham is going to be a good game in the Patriot League. I know that sounds silly, but like Holy Cross went the last two years. Fordham's like a top 15 team statistically on offense and defense. Mm-hmm. That'll be a good game to watch. I mean, it'll be hard to find to, to watch, but like. Yeah, I don't know where you would, but my sister went to Fordham Law School. Okay. So That's I've good. gotten her into that. I've got some family that went to Fordham, like Cousins and whatnot. Yeah. Let's see here. Where can I watch Fordham? <laughs> where where can you watch Fordham? That's... I might be listening to it on the radio. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably your best bet. Yeah. Well, those are some games that you can watch outside the American if yeah. you feel like doing so. Super fun. Love it. Yeah. Uh, anything else for us, Emily? I think that's it. All right. Well, you can find me at Dan underscore Morrison 96 on Twitter. You can find me at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. All right. And we're off. We'll see you next week. 